Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show, season two, episode 13. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Uh, tonight, no Alex and no Stacey. Uh, Beck, you're here with me as we're about to talk about our special. But before we get into things, we want to introduce one of our newest panel members uh, to the Mojo Sports, to the NFL show, Laura Finch. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. Thanks having me. I'm excited to be here with you and Beck. Yeah, look, it's going to be great uh, to talk all things NFL. We are absolute tragics. Uh, do you mind sharing with the listeners the uh, the franchise that you support? Uh, Beck is grinning uh, ear to ear already. I can see that you guys are going to get along swimmingly. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about your fandom and yeah, just a little bit of background on yourself. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a Seahawks fan. Not to, okay. not a surprise to anyone that knows me, but um, I grew up in Portland from a young age, so football's kind of been a big part of my life. I've carried that fandom and that passion coming over to Australia. I'm one of those weird people always watching on their phone as they walk through a mall, but, you know, what can you do with the time zone? So big Russell Wilson fan, bit of a disappointing season as I'm sure you're all aware, but, you know, excited to see what we do, excited to see where we build from here. I love that I have someone else on the podcast to talk Seahawks about, but I also love that it's someone else to bag on the Bears about too, because Alex, we love doing that to her. So it's just someone else to jump on that bandwagon too. And I will happily take that baton and help you out with that as many chances as I get. So, Surround- yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to be here. Surrounded by Seahawks fans. Here we go. And, uh, yeah, you know, me, me and Stace, we follow the Patriots as well. But, uh, yeah, there's, no, there's not much to, to write home about when it comes to our New England fandom these days. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our listener questions and our special episode this week. We are talking all things NFL Combine. Uh, for those that haven't followed along with the Combine previously, it's an incredible event held there in Indianapolis where, you know, you're getting all of the absolute best talent under one roof, testing them out um, just to see, uh, you know, some of the incredible athleticism on display. So let's jump into our listener question uh, this week from our listeners. They want to know what is our favorite drill from the NFL uh, combine. Uh, Laura, there's a lot to choose from here and there's some quirky things uh, that they get them to do. What's, what's one of your favorite drills? Mine definitely has to be the drill with the Olympic spirit to it. I love the broad jump. I love seeing the athleticism, the excitement. I, um, you know, it's not the most football related drill, but you get to really see all these athletes shine. And, you know, we get some disappointing years, some exciting years, but it's all around. It's a, it's a beautiful one to watch. So that's definitely it for me. Yeah. And you just love the fact that, you know, four to f- four, five, six weeks before the combine, you've got all these absolute football fanatics that are practicing their long jump. It's uh yeah, it must be pretty incredible to watch, but they pay thousands of dollars, you know, in terms of getting coached for this stuff, because you're right. The difference between one score and another could be millions of dollars on the draft board. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a crazy world that we live in when it comes to the NFL Combine. Um, look, for myself, I get – oh, well, I'm going to jump in. I'm, I'm going to steal the 40-yard dash. It's uh, – look, you know, the reason why I love it is because they are just so consistent with this measurement, with this drill – 
this dates back decades. So, you know, a little fun thing for our listeners is to go back and look at some of the Hall of Famers that are that have, you know, run a forty and you get to send you know, you get to see their times and you know, one of the things that's interesting, we're gonna talk about I guess the theme of the NFL Combine this year, it was incredibly quick and from players that you wouldn't necessarily expect from. But, you know, the flip the flip side of that can be true as well. You can have some gold jacket gold jacket players uh, that didn't necessarily record the most impressive 40-yard dash time. So it's very interesting to see. It's very interesting compare to compare. And one little highlight was the siblings battle. Uh, Dalvin Cook's younger brother, James, him, uh, you know, obviously they're both in the same position running back, him getting to compete against his brother, Point one of a second, uh, he loses out to Dalvin there. So I'm sure he's still dirty. I'm sure he's still fuming about that result. Beck, um, plenty of excitement. The NFL Combine. Um, yeah, what's your what's your favorite drill? So much excitement coming out of this year's drill. I, I love the 40 yard dash. It's definitely one of the highlights. But for me, um, I'm going to steer away from the explosive strength sort of stuff and go to the positional drills because I really think this is where wide receivers get to shine and really show their skill. I think. Um, some of them are a little underestimated in, you know, how hard it is to run and catch a ball at full speed and turn up field and watching them do this on a combine day under all the pressure, under the people watching, you know, they make some clutch catches and they make it look really easy. And it's just a fun, exciting thing to watch. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight. All ball. Every franchise has had tons of great players and legendary personalities, but who stands out above the rest? Rogers going to air it out. Ready play action. Gronkowski. Peyton on the go. Flings it. It's caught by Kelsey. What separates really good players from great players, the biggest games, the greatest stage, I think that's what playing quarterback's all about. Yeah, and it is NFL draft season. Let's continue that theme. One of our favorite segments is All Ball, where we get to dive deep on a particular player. And you think about that sound bite, some of the stars, some of the all-time greats, the Tom Brady's, the Patrick Mahomes, the Aaron Rodgers. You know, let's just hope that some of these uh, some of these players are able to, well, I guess match some of the hype because it is hype season. The player that we're going to be talking about is at the quarterback position. It is Malik Willis. Beck, let's talk about, um, I guess, the overarching thoughts on the on the draft class itself before we dive into Malik a little bit. I guess he he comes in a season where, for the past, I would say, two years, we have been told that this is historically one of the worst quarterback classes that we have seen in recent memory. That's got a lot of fire underneath you if you're Malik Willis because, you know, basically, you know, you're being told that, you know, you're, you're going to fail, you're not going to make it. Um, talk to us a little bit about how Malik must be feeling because for two years he's been told that, you know, he's trash, he's not going to make it. Um, yeah, what's your thoughts on Malik Willis? Yeah, I think we've spoken about this before, the draft class and, you know, the potential athletes coming out in that first-round pick. And we've spoken a lot about how quarterbacks – aren't necessarily going to be the top pick. They're not the players that, you know, teams are looking for because they're not standout, you know, one-off type quarterbacks that we've seen come out in the previous years. And for a quarterback coming out in that draft, that has to be like a stab in the back because, you know, you've played and trained and put so much work and effort into being the best player you can possibly be. And then to be told that you're not good enough to be, you know, a number one pick. Like it definitely would light the biggest fire under your belly to prove everyone wrong, to be like, 
hey, guys, I'm here and I'm amazing, like sucked in for not picking me. I'd be taking receipts, you know, when all of the, you know, the ESPNs and everyone sort of, you know, throwing criticism at all these quarterbacks, I'd be just, you know, getting the, you know, tape recorder. That makes me sound pretty old. Uh, I'd be recording all of that, keeping receipts. And then, you know, if these guys go on and hit, I think that could be, um, you know, a little bit of a a Tom Brady six-round, you know, uh, success story there. Um, Laura, let's talk about Malik. Let's dive into it. Physically very, very impressive Six foot tall, 23 years of age, 102 kilos. Talk to us a little bit about his college experience because, you know, one of the things that you would say about Malik that he has on his side is he does have experience. Um, You know, four years of total play in college, that's got to put him in a good position coming into the draft. Yeah, the thing with a player like Malik is we've got a guy coming into the draft who hasn't had all-star receivers around him so far, and I think that's what makes him look even more exciting. You've got a guy coming out that really, if you want to put in a bit of an early claim on, and someone always has to do that, he has a bit of a Michael Vick look to him. And, you know, we've got a guy coming out with a cannon, and we haven't actually seen the full potential of what he can bring, and I think that's why he's going to be a star for us this draft. I think with his physicality, with his ability to run with the ball while also keeping focus, getting the ball downfield, I think he's one to watch. Laura, it's really fascinating because, you know, for so many years we've been told to, you know, focus on the tape, focus on production, uh, and really, uh, you know, that that's basically where we make our decisions. But in recent years we have seen, you know, the Josh Allens, we've seen Patrick Mahomes, we have seen Lamar Jackson, we've seen quite a lot of players that kind of slide under the radar because, you know, their college experience has been a little bit clunky. But, you know, if you dive into pure physical tra- traits and potential, I hear what you're putting down. You know, Malik, he certainly is displaying that. Beck, there is no question that Malik Willis has the strongest arm in the NFL draft. Now, I guess there's two camps of thought, isn't it? You play the game. You are the pro. Talk to us about what that means when it comes to the quarterback position because, yeah, it it is Malik first and Daylight second. He has the strongest arm in this quarterback class. What does that mean for him as he tries to break into the NFL? I feel like that is a massive advantage for him because you see teams that don't necessarily have quarterbacks that can throw those deep balls and throw them accuracy accurately and throw them well. And they kind of struggle a little bit to move that ball. I mean, like it's hard for defenses to defend a quarterback that has the ability to throw the ball anywhere and everywhere on the field, whether it is short or it is deep, you know, he has a strong arm. He can throw the ball, you know, on a quick out, on a slant, or he can throw that fly that's going to be 40, 50 yards down the field. So, you know, for a quarterback to come out with that in their repertoire, I think it's going to really have a lot of teams looking at him over other quarterbacks that don't necessarily have that skill. Laura, there's a lot of luck when it comes to the NFL draft. And what one of the things that I think about is it's the luck of the, the year that you're eligible, the year that you can leave college, because if we just kind of forget about Malik's last year, which we're going to talk about soon, if this guy comes out uh, 12 months ago, this guy is clearly the number one quarterback. Uh, yeah, what's your thoughts on it? It is a bit of a luck of the draw in terms of when these players can come out of college because, you know, Malik has definitely been hurt by his last season there at Liberty. And just to clarify his college experience, two years at Auburn, set out 2019 due to that transfer, two years at Liberty. Um, you know, his draft stocks have taken a hit um, due to that last year there in college. I mean, you know, the number one rule, in my opinion, with the draft is you draft the best available talent 
doesn't matter what your specific needs are, you go for talent. But that's not what we've seen, especially these last few years. We've seen very um, quarterback-focused classes. And now that teams are kind of, that are sitting in those top picks aren't needing quarterbacks per se, these guys that actually, you know, may be better, may may offer more are kind of getting pushed down the ladder. I think Malik definitely still has issues with his accuracy. I think he's almost there, but he's still got a lot to work on. But, you know, he's a player that will most likely fall down the first round, but he'll still make it. I'd love to see him go to Pittsburgh. I think him and Mike Tomlin would be a great fit. It'd be a challenge for that O-line who's had a different type of quarterback for the last God knows how many years. Um, But, you know, you put a player like that in with Najee Harris, and I think you could see something really exciting. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it would have been to his advantage had he not had to sit out that year and maybe entered the draft sooner. But... I think he's still going to shine. I think it, he's still going to come out and we, I hope that he drops a little bit. I hope he doesn't end up with a team too high up the draft so we can actually really see what he's made of. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. I mean, it, you, you either look at it either unlucky or lucky. Cause if he had to come out last year, he could have been at Jacksonville. He could have been, you know, at one of those teams that didn't have a great season with a rookie quarterback, or he comes out this year and does go a little bit later in a draft to a team that's a little bit more established, has a little bit more experience, you know, and can, you know, sit back and train and learn and, you know, become better under the coach before getting thrown in the deep end. So this could be lucky for him. Like you could look at it both ways. Yeah, I I guess. And I I guess the only thing that concerns me about Malik is those interception 12 INTs in 2021. Malik, he cannot turn the football over. And I think, you know, Laura, you touched on it though. I think I'm not going to, you know, you can't put all of them on his shoulders. You know, I think there was some deficiencies there, you know, when it comes to his receivers, you know, routes not being run, um, you know, correctly, accurately, um, and a little bit of timing issues there. But he's got to wear a little bit of that. And, you know, I think one of the things that he has to demonstrate throughout the draft process, and, you know, this is where the interviews are even really important, is he comes in and, you know, he does you know, he does tick a lot of boxes off the field. I do feel like he's going to own it. But, you know, one of the first things he needs to say in his interview interview is he recognises where he went wrong when it comes to those interceptions and he will protect the football when he comes into camp uh, when it, you know, in the NFL. And that comes with experience as well. You know, that comes from him realising, oh, I have to actually get the ball out sooner but be watching where it's going. He had a lot of time with that offensive line and ended up still making those bad decisions. So for him, it's about knowing when to get the ball out and when to trust you guys that are down the field. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, look, now it's time to try and predict where he's going to land in the draft. You know, um, Laura, you mentioned, you know, where you would, you know, prefer to see him him fall. We'll get a little bit more from you there in terms of his connection with Pittsburgh. Look, for me with Malik, uh, I would love to see him fall, fall, fall all the way down the draft board. The further he falls, the better for Malik. I think, you know, you know, my, my opinion um, on Malik is he's a second round uh, draft pick, in, in my opinion. If he was in last year's class with Trevor Lawrence, with Justin Fields, with a lot of the stars, I think he would easily fall into the second round. And that, I think, would be, uh, I guess, most appropriate for Malik because I would love to see him you know, step into an NFL system, sit for a year behind a veteran player and be able to kind of learn and work and develop on his craft. And I think it's becoming a bit of a a hidden talent for draft analysts, draft scouts to be able to find talent 
develop them slowly. And then, you know, if you get it right, who's to say that you haven't stumbled across a significant tackle, um, a significant talent in the game. So for me, I think Malik, yeah, if he, if he slides down the draft board, I think that's going to be very, very positive for him. Um, and I'd love to see him sit behind a veteran player. Um, Laura, just quickly touch back on your pick with Pittsburgh. I love it. Big, big Ben. They definitely got every last bit out of Big Ben and some more. <laughs> I think a lot of Steelers fans would say, but um, I yeah. guess what Pittsburgh are looking for is, you know, they're looking for that excitement. They're looking for someone that can come in and try and compete in this stacked AFC. I mean, we have not seen a conference like this in many, many, many years. Um, yeah, talk to us about your connection there with um, the Steelers and Malik. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, Pittsburgh needs every fresh. They need someone to come in and to shake up the game, but who can also be a leader. I think Malik has that in him. I think you're right. He does need to take that hit. He does need to drop. I think it'll, you know, it'd be good for him to land in a team that actually can support him. I think, you know, there are many options. He could get taken off the board sooner, hundred percent. He could perform well, but this is a team that I think can really cultivate those talents he already has, but also improve on them to kind of move forward. I think you want him with a young team. You want him with Chase Claypool. You want him with a running back that has very similar skill sets to what he has. They have that explosiveness. They have that eye to sort of extend the play when and where needed. So, you know, I think Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the NFL. I think he's a guy that knows how to coach superstars and Malik's going to be a superstar. We need to pair them together. It's the best thing for both. You've got Steelers fans excited. Everyone's you know, crossing their fingers and toes that uh, you know that they that he does fall to them. And yeah, look, don't be surprised if they sneak up. You know, he may be a second round talent, but at the end of the day, these quarterbacks are so rare. I do think he's sneaking ahead in terms of being that number one talent. Don't be surprised if a team takes a chance, burns a little bit of draft capital to ensure that that he is in their building um, come the start of camp. Uh, Beck, thoughts on this one? Malik could go anywhere. It's really hard to kind of predict. How are you feeling as we sort of approach the draft? Um, this guy's got a lot of talents, um, looks good on tape. Yeah, this is a super hard one to pick because it could go either way. So he could go in that first round and he could go relatively early because there are definitely teams out there that need a quarterback. Like it's not like they don't need that position as a player in the draft. So he could definitely go early, but I also think it would benefit him, like you said, to go a little bit later in the draft to go to a team that's a bit more established. Um, I wouldn't even be mad if Seattle picked him up in the sec- you know, in the late rounds. I mean, we probably won't pick him up in the second round. We'd prefer, you know, probably a defensive player, but I think he would, if he could sit behind Russell Wilson, I feel like they're very similar players in terms of, you know, the deep ball threat, the, um, you know, the scrambling skills, the speed that they both have I think he could really learn a lot especially from Pete Carroll as well um yeah at Seattle so I wouldn't be mad if that happened but yeah I think he would definitely benefit from you know sitting for a year or even two um behind uh you know a quarterback that has the knowledge that they can learn from that he can learn from I love that, you know, you know, Russell Wilson and continues to flirt with other teams and, you know, threatening to leave Seattle. Maybe we, uh, maybe they sneak a, a backup in there just to, just to create a little bit more chaos there in Seattle. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Cause we don't want, um, Jacoby Brissett backing us up for much longer. I think we definitely need to fix that issue. All right, guys, let's jump into our next segment for tonight. The match, the most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble. 
Yeah, and this week on the match, we continue with our well, our draft theme. And this week, we're talking about who is the better quarterback in this year's draft. And again, you know, you talk about, you know, is there the elite talent in this year's draft? Probably not, but there is a lot of depth. Um, so, you know, depending on your definition of a high-quality quarterback, there is a lot of quarterbacks in this year's draft like there is usually. Um, the two players that we are focusing in on is Matt Corral coming up against Sam Howell. Uh, well, let's start with Matt Corral. Uh, Laura... Matt's, I mean, you know, let's go over his stats just quickly. Six foot two, 23 years of age, 93 kilos, you know, junior, four years started there at Ole Miss. Um, you know, I, I guess it is a little bit sad that we have to start with the injury, but it is a really interesting conversation, isn't, isn't it? Like, you know, Matt Corral, he has, you know, you think about all of the training sessions that he's done all the way up from Wee through high school, through college, he's gone that entire journey and then in the sugar bowl, it all goes wrong and he injures his leg. Now, now thankfully, it's not a uh, you know it's not a serious injury, but uh, yeah, talk to us a little bit about the Matt Corral leg injury because you know it couldn't have couldn't have come at a worse time. And seeing that footage of him getting carried off that carted off that field, it was uh, it was pretty hard to watch. Oh, devastating. You know, I'm um, I'm not ruling him out on that leg injury. I'm not worried about that. I think if you look at what he's dealt with, what he's now starting to overcome, that leg injury is going to be a leg injury is going to be a thing of the past. I'm backing an almost quarterback all the way. I think an SEC quarterback, you know, he he's had the exposure, he's had the experience that a lot more quarterbacks haven't received. You know, even though we didn't get to see him fully fledged at the combine, I'm still taking him over Sam Howell. I'm not drafting Sam Howell, I think. You know, if I'm taking it, that's where I'm going. I think he's got a lot to offer, a lot more that he still needs to kind of to learn. So I wouldn't take him for a straightaway play. I would take him. I would be benching him. But, yeah, I think there's some exciting things that we can hope to see from him. Beck, it's interesting because, um, to Laura's point, Matt's a really interesting case study because, you know, injured at the worst possible time, not serious. He will recover, but just yeah. doesn't have that ability to kind of perform at the combine and kind of compete with some of these quarterbacks to show that, you know, he has the best arm, you know, in in the class or whether he has that little bit of agility in the pocket that we didn't quite see on tape. Um, But to Laura's point, how do you feel about, you know, Matt Corral, you know, we, we, you know, he's had, you know, 13 starts, uh, 10 starts, 10 starts last few years. So he's played plenty of football, but he's played in the SEC. It's a different ball game, you know, when it comes to the pass rush, the defenses that you're going to face uh, talk to us a little bit about that increasing competition because, you know, one of the things that I think NFL scouts would be feeling pretty comfortable about is that Matt Corral, he's seen a lot of pressure uh, and that's got to put him in a, in a good position as he tries to prepare for an NFL career. A lot of pressure is the big one. I think the biggest epidemic in the NFL is the issue of the O-line. I think the biggest chance he has is going to a team that isn't going to be able to hold up especially against the dynamic defenses, especially the defenses in the NFC that we've seen form over the last two years. Um, I think that is really important. I think the exposure to that, the exposure to having to kind of think on your feet, hold your own, that type of maturity is a lot to offer. And I think that's what he brings to the table more so than a UNC quarterback. Um, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, look, I, I totally agree. Beck, uh, 
you know, let's pick out some of his flaws. So, uh, look for me, um, you know, we're going to talk about where, where I see him. If you know, I'm going to, I'm going to jump straight in and say that Matt Corral, he's a second round talent. Um, I'm getting nervous that NFL teams are, you know, they're not going to be patient. You know what I mean? When you think about, you know, just the, the draft class that we have in front of us, I get a little bit of a sense that he could sneak into that first round, but, you know, part of my concerns is the inconsistency when it comes to his accuracy. Um, when you look at his last season, 67% uh, pass percentage, um, you know, 70% the year before, 59 the year before that. This guy's a little bit reckless with the football. He's a little bit all over the place. Um, yeah, talk to, talk to me about your opinion on Matt Corral because, um, yeah, he's certainly, uh, well, let's just say he's a work in progress. Yeah, for me, he's definitely, like, I wouldn't take him in the first round. I don't know if I'd take him early in the second. Um, I think there's some other quarterbacks out there that I'd prefer over him because, like you said, he does, you know, make some terrible decisions when he is put under pressure, when he doesn't have that protection from the O-line, when he does have to move his feet. You know, he just doesn't have that poise in the pocket to let go of the ball and trust, you know, in himself and in his receivers. And I think that's something that... Um, is really hard to learn, especially after playing for so long. If you don't have that poise, it, it's really hard to work and to gain. And, you know, going into the NFL, you're going to get a lot of pressure in that pocket and you're going to have to make some snap quick decisions. And he's not so great at those. And that's what his downfall is. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's flip it over to his competitor. Laura, you know, obviously you spoke a little bit about Sam Howe. Again, he's pretty interesting, isn't he? Because six foot tall, 21 years of age, 100 kilos, a three-year uh, starter at NC at North Carolina. I guess I go back to you know some of his high school years where all we heard about was Sam Howell. You know what I mean? Like this guy was, you know, and and I, I, you know, you, you've you got to take it with a grain of salt these days. Where recruitment of quarterbacks uh, in America, it is just. It is all over the place. It is a social media television phenomenon from a very, very early age. I mean, Sam Howell, he was a very, very special talent as a teenager in high school, uh, but, you know, did did have some challenges at NC. 100%. I think the biggest talent, um, sorry, the biggest issue that we saw with him was when his range started to decrease and hit that sort of intermediate level. He's got a great deep ball he's accurate with the deep ball but once you start to shorten that range once that coverage starts getting a little tighter that's where he starts to have big issues that's what I would be most concerned about coming into this draft you know the deep ball it's a great ball I love to see it as a Russell Wilson fan obviously but the game's changing if we want to you know focus around that more tight end role which I believe is starting to kind of take the rise up again he's going to really struggle getting that ball and getting that ball in on tight coverage. And that's what I would be concerned about. Beck, you know, I, I guess, you know, there's quarterbacks who decide to play out their, you know, their full sort of eligibility and, um, you know, try and get the, the most out of their college experience. Sam Howell left the second that he could um, out of his, his experience in NC. What's your opinion on that? Because I'm on the fence. Uh, you know, there's obviously the transfer portal for, for our listeners that aren't aware uh, the game has changed. You know, obviously our college athletes can now earn significant money. Um, it is completely changing the way we think about college football. You know, part of me, Beck, wonders whether Sam should have gone into the transfer portal, potentially tried to get onto a stronger roster and just tried to improve his CV. I mean, to try and win it at a, at a slightly higher level, you know, 
yeah, the flip side of that could get injured. You know, there's a there's a chance that he could jag a, a round one draft pick in this year's weaker class. I guess my, my my question is, where do you sit when it comes to Sam Howell? Did he make the right decision in terms of coming out um, and declaring for the NFL draft? Yeah, this is a tough one because it could, like, there's so many factors that play into the decision to coming out in the draft. And, I mean, for where he's been playing, I think he prob- probably could have stayed another year, like you said, to build up. Um, those stats and to, you know, get a little bit more experience under the coaches that he has. And then also looking at this draft class as well, like coming out into this draft where the quarterbacks aren't necessarily the strongest pick. I don't know if he's doing himself any favours, but on the other side, he could think because there's not a lot of quarterback competition, he could go a lot earlier than he potentially could in a future draft. So, I mean, if I was Sam personally, I probably would have stayed another year um, just to get that experience, just to fix up, you know, the the missing things that I need to make me a better potential draft pick in the next year. Yeah, at only 21 years of age, I definitely think he, he could have. But, you know, he's the Toyota um, of this year's draft. You know, he looks pretty good against some Fords and Holdens. But, uh, yeah, you match him up against some of the Ferraris in the NFL, and it's going to be very interesting to see where he falls. All right, guys, let's try and do our predictions uh, here in terms of the match. No sitting on the fence. We've got to pick our player. Um, I'm going to kick us off. Look, it's difficult to say. I think with Matt and Sam, I, I, I really I grade them as second-round talents potentially even quite late in that second round. Um, in, in Sam Howe's situation, he definitely has to see it. I think you could totally ruin a young player's career if you were to throw him to the wolves and have him start. Look, I'm going to go with Sam Howe. I think he's a little bit younger at 21 years of age. If he did sit for two, three years in the right system, you know, potentially you could get the most out of him. My fear for Matt Corral is he could actually start. There are a couple of teams that are so desperate for a quarterback that he could be thrown into the fire, and I just don't quite think that he will be ready day one. So I think Sam Howe, for me, longer term, but wow, this is very, very close. Um, Laura, you jumped in and you gave us your, your prediction here. You're, you're going with Matt Corral. Talk to us a little bit about why. I'm taking Matt Corral um, with a higher position in this year's draft. I think if you're looking at draft potential, it's not a great quarterback year. We're not in a rush. People that need quarterbacks, you know, teams that need them, they'll take what they can get. So I think Matt's definitely coming above Sam in terms of the draft. Look, long-term, I don't know whether either of these guys actually have what it takes if they are actually going to perform. But I think we're going to have to wait and see on that one. But definitely when it comes to the draft, I'm backing Matt over Sam. Laura's right, Beck. You've just got the GM role at at an NFL franchise. You've you've got to make a decision here. And don't stress, it's just your entire future. Um, Your family, you're going to have to move away if you get this wrong. So no pressure. Who are you picking here? You've You've got the draft card in front of you. Matt Corral, Sam Howell. Yeah, where are you going with this one? Oh, man, putting me under the spot here. I think for potential for like my future franchise pick, not necessarily, you know, I want a quarterback that's going to last. It's I'm going to be able to coach up to be my franchise quarterback. I think I'm picking Sam Howe because I just think he's that little bit younger. He has a little, you know, you can impact his career a little bit more when you start them a little bit younger, especially if you want them to come into the franchise and stay. He's going to be a late pick, like you said, late in the second round, possibly early in the third. Um, so I think he will sit for a couple of years. He'll be a backup. He'll learn a lot. He'll grow a lot. And he will potentially be, you know, if he is going to start, I think he'll get the skills 
um, sitting for those couple of years rather than starting to be able to be that starting quarterback. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Your apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and an interesting question that we've got for you guys here. Again, we've spoken all things NFL Combine, and the question I've got is who was your MVP from the event? There were so many incredible performances I might jump in first and just, I mean, when we were seeing the results come through for some of these 40 times, I just, is the stopwatch broken? I mean, do we need to recalibrate because surely there's a problem? The Georgia defense, I've got Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, and Trayvon Walker all running sub fives. I mean, it's just unbelievable. You look at Trayvon, for example, he ran 4.51. He's 125 kilos. I mean, this is really changing the way we think about sports, you know, whether it's rugby league, rugby, you know, these massive players in the NFL, um, you know, for these athletes to be running at such a pace, it is, it's pretty scary. And yeah, we just spoke about Matt Corral and Sam Howell um, getting chased down by these defensive players. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's incredible. So look, an incredible performance for some of the bigger players um, in their 40 times. Unbelievable. Laura, um, continue with the success stories from the draft. And again, you know, when you think about, you know, is it worth sort of, you know, competing in the combine? Some players made millions out of that weekend based on their performances. Talk talk to us about a player that caught your eye. Look, one player added a bit of sauce to the combine, and that, of course, is Armie Gardner. Look, I read that guy performed his way into the first round of the draft. You know, a cornerback that was in the conversation, but definitely on the tail end. Coming to that draft, one of the best athletic performances that I've seen from a cornerback in a long time, especially one that we hadn't been hyped about coming into the fact. I think, you know, with his time, 4 for one he's got a lot to show us. He's got a lot that he's going to come out and prove. So I'm excited to see where he goes. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you look at Derek Stingley and he's just, it, it, it's really weird when you think about his competitor there, you know, uh, obviously shined as a freshman, struggled the last couple of years. I mean, Gardner, he could go, he could be the first cornerback um, off. So yeah, incredible weekend uh, from source. Uh, what a performance there. Beck, you know, I'm sitting on my couch eating pretzels, uh, not exactly in the in the finest shape at the moment. And uh, look, it doesn't make me feel any better when you see some of these athletes perform. Talk to us about a player that caught your eye, um, a player in Michigan, but not the player you think of, not Aiden Hutchison, but another player who, incredible performance. Yeah, I think this one was a massive standout for me because particularly in this draft, like you called out, these defensive players and these big guys that are putting up some insane times. And I'm talking about David Ajambo, who's a defensive end at Michigan, who ran a 4.55. He's 6'4", 250 pounds. Like he's a lanky guy, but he's a heavy guy. And he's running a 4.55. Like this is faster than some of the receivers that were running in, in the combine. Like it's just insane what these defensive players, like these D-line are doing this year. Like it's blowing my mind. Yeah, I, I guess I, I hate to sort of throw out a mojo challenge in terms of what our 40 times would be. But I think even me on a posty bike, I don't think I'm running uh, I'm running that time. So look, incredible weekend. Um, you know, definitely adjusted people's draft boards. So again, the difference between, you know, one or two spots in the NFL draft is millions of dollars. So uh, an incredible weekend. There's a lot of players there. They're going to be smiling ear to ear because they've just made a lot of wealth there. Um, yeah, incredible performances. 
All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. To Laura, uh, it's great to have you on board here at Mojo Sports. We're very excited about talking all things NFL. It may be the off-season, but the content continues to flow as we ramp things up to the NFL draft. Um, Forget the quarterback class. There's a few challenges there. We still find it very, very interesting to see where they're going to land, but there is some incredible talent in other positions. Stay tuned as we continue to break that down and bring you more and more coverage. To our listeners, continue to download, download the podcast, share with family and friends, and until next week, we'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.